Now, it is, as I say, unscripted and we we do get people on our on, on both the, the Lunchtime Live comment line, which is 1894-53108 and is open to you 24-7 or indeed uh, via emails. We, we get a lot of people talking to us and one email came in and, and we thought this is really interesting. It said, hi, Kira, I would really appreciate if you brought up the topic of difficult children. I am a grandparent who has an almost 13 year old granddaughter. Her parents are at their wits end. The child, a girl, is in first year in secondary school. The child is a model child outside the home, but inside the home, she's abusive towards her parents and all of us, as a matter of fact. She's been like this in one shape or another since she was young. It appears to be getting worse. What can we do to help? I travelled to bring her up to us for the weekend uh, on her own at her parents' request. But when I arrived, she was completely obstinate and doesn't want to come and started shouting and roaring at me. Tonight, she hit her mother. She spat at her father. We don't know where to turn. She has a younger brother and a sister and they feel the tension also. She upsets the whole house and all the family. Her mum is in tears every evening. She's about to put the key in the door uh, after returning from work and she says she's filled with dread. The child, whom we all love very much, is kind and generous in every other way. But a row will start even if she's asked to pass the salt across the kitchen table. It seems to be getting worse. She says that she hates everyone in her family but she's an angel when she's out with her friends. Please talk about this on your show. Now, we, we did contact that emailer and we said, do they want to come on and talk? And they didn't. And I understand why, because it's a very difficult thing to admit. So we thought off the back of that email who we would talk to was Professor Brendan Kelly, who is, of course, the professor of psychiatry at Trinity and the author of The Doctor Who Sat for a Year. And he joins me now to discuss it. Brendan, you're very welcome. Thank you, Kira. Um, firstly, you heard that email. I'm sure that grandparent and indeed those parents are at their wits end. What did you make of it? Well, this is a very common situation uh, to varying levels of intensity. And typically the problem is worse inside the home where relationships are most intense, parents, siblings and the rest of the family. And things are perfect most commonly outside of the house where relationships are less intense or the child or teenager feels uh, they have more control. They feel there's less by way of coercion or authority. So uh, they get on better outside of the home. But this is very typical. And I think a lot of your listeners are going to think, uh, yes, you know, I've seen this. Um, But far fewer will say, oh, yes, I remember I was like that when I was young. And yet many were. Okay. Um, just in brief, because I, I, I kind of want, we want, insofar as we can, Brendan, to give a bit of advice on this, but just a second email uh, also came in on, on the same issue, more or less, which is one of the reasons we thought about doing it was, it says, Dear Kira, my 10-year-old daughter is an extremely challenging girl. She's been like this since she was a toddler. It's really hard to explain in few words. She seems to want to argue from the minute I collect her from school. She raises subjects which she think will cause a fight. I tried to raise her in a way that I talked to her about things rather than just dictating, but she acts so disrespectfully and treats her siblings and my husband and I with disdain at best. She never seems to be happy. We were visiting friends for the weekend and I know she will do her best to upset everyone. What can I do? So these seem to be two similar sort of issues about about a child or or a young adolescent who, who is upsetting everyone around them. Is there something going on or is it too hard to say for the child themselves? Are, are they struggling? Do they have a personality disorder? Are they are they low self-esteem? I mean, I, I know we're kind of 
getting into pop psychology there, but but what is going on that makes somebody so difficult that they kind of lash out at everybody? Well, the, the difference between the child and the adult, uh, the teenager and the adult, is to do with brain development, because the logical, rational part of our brains that governs so much of what adults do simply is not developed biologically until the age of 25. So when a child or a teenager is behaving they're, they're not really thinking. What they're doing is they're feeling. So one of the first things is not to get caught up in the actual subject of the fight or what has been said because the child or teenager doesn't mean it to the extent that adults mean things uh, logically and literally when we say them. The child is feeling rather than thinking because okay. they don't have judgment. They're literally, the machinery in their head is not sufficiently developed. Now, it doesn't feel like this because very often the teenager appears to be remarkably skilled at pressing the right buttons. They seem to have an uncanny ability to get at parents especially where it really hurts. But they're doing that based on instinct and feeling. They're not doing it based on logic or wishing to wishing to hurt somebody. Okay. Their brain is literally not developed enough to do that yet. Okay, so so there, so don't get bogged down in the issue. You said I could go out, and then you changed your mind. Don't get bogged down in the nitty gritty or the minutiae of, of whatever it is that you're fighting about. Understand that they're very het up, they're angry, they're defiant, they're, and now they're pushing your buttons like mad. What do you do long term as a strategy to deal with this kind of behaviour? But what do you do in the immediate uh, time of the behaviour? If somebody's throwing an absolute tantrum and they're thirteen, like what do you do? Well, I, I suppose the first thing from what I said is to remember the child is more innocent in this than you think. It doesn't look like that, but they're probably not doing this as deliberately as they think. Bear in mind that because of the state they're in, in the acute heated argument, they probably won't listen to a single word that you say. Okay. So rehearsing the same script with them again and again and again, or, or, or saying the same logical thoughts or trying to make them see logic won't work half as much as you think it will work or as, as you think it should should work. So don't get frustrated at that. They do copy your behavior. So you should avoid reflex reactions and you should remain weirdly friendly and calm in the midst of all the noise. You must above all else learn to live with the sound of slamming bedroom doors (laughs) and don't let them phase you in the slightest until the hinges come off and then replace the hinges. But don't let these dramatic gestures trigger dramatic responses, if at all you can manage to to keep your calm. Now, the child or the teenager, if they're going at this good and hard, will push you to the nth degree. Um, They're remarkably good at that. But it is important, as much as feasible, to remain calm and to try and distance from the, the, the content of the argument, which isn't what it's about at all. Okay, so so during the, the I, maybe I'm calling it the wrong word, but during the tantrum phase, you don't react, you don't start screaming back and lose your cool or drag them upstairs and put them in the room and lock the door. You know, you don't do any of that. You act calm and almost, did you say cheerful? <laughs> did you say like you're smiling yes, almost, and ha ha? Yeah. Brandon, sure, these are but, challenging but things. But 
They're very difficult things, particularly because the child and particularly the teenager will push the adult as far as humanely possible and a little bit beyond in what appears to be a very callous and hurtful way. Yeah. But bear in mind, it isn't meant literally. It is simply to produce a reaction. And very often in an argument, an excellent plan is to start saying absolutely nothing in response. Um, and if you say absolutely nothing, and this works in all contexts, Kira, uh, people wander off. Um, fairly quickly because they're getting zero feedback from you at all. So you um, don't argue back. You kind are you going as far as to say you actually kind of ignore them? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you don't you don't talk back. You don't engage in the to and fro. As in, the child says, "I want to go out." You say, "You're well, you're not going out. It's midnight." And they say, "But I want to." And you say, "You're not." Um, the verbal bit, um, you you need to give up on that because logic and reasoning won't work. But remaining calm and suggesting other things the child could do is important. And also. Remembering the incident is important so that at other times you can reinforce positive behaviors. Reflecting back on an argument, for example, the next day sitting down and saying, look, can we go over what happened yesterday? It often does not work because the child will not remember as clearly as you do what went on because that part of their brain simply isn't developed. It's not just convenient forgetting on their part. They're genuinely not able they're to They're not hanging on to it. They're not because the link... Their brains aren't linked up. We, we, adults work more using the front part of our brain, which is logical and reasonable, whereas teenagers use these other parts, a part called the amygdala, which is governed almost entirely by emotions. And their brain isn't fully connected up till the age of 25 years. So a lot of the logic that we expect from them and that we get frustrated that they don't respect um, simply isn't possible for them. They're just not able, and they need to be handled with that in mind. Okay, someone says, Kira, I'm empathising with these emailers. It is a very difficult thing to talk about and deal with. My 12-year-old is the exact same, flies off the handle, extremely challenging, very different to his siblings. Okay, so in the immediate, they're going bananas. You, you, you're calm, you're almost cheerful, you don't engage. They say, I want to go out, you just shrug or something you don't you don't respond but over in an overarching way of managing them like you know I have four kids and I'm I'm lucky none of them do this so that's a good thing um but I'm not sure what I would do if they did do this I don't know how I would try and modify that behavior in them are there strategies for the long term in terms of giving them some kind of you're saying you can't respond to them with logic they're not able to rationalize this stuff so so how do you you parent them so that they maybe outgrow it or stop doing it in some way well what what you do is you emphasize or reinforce the time between arguments and the things that go well and when the arguments happen you do not reinforce the arguments or reward them. Bearing in mind, a child or a teenager will see any form of, of attention as a reward. So if they want an argument and you argue back, then you are giving them exactly the reward that they want at a subconscious level, and they will keep doing it again and again and again. The more heated your response is, the more that fulfills the psychological need they think they have, so they'll keep on doing that. So rewarding the fights either by um, engaging with them or punishing the child for them will in fact only encourage them. What you need to do is let the behavior, what they call extinguish, which uh, the most powerful way of doing that is to ignore a behavior as much as is humanely possible. The, the other thing is to separate out emotion from it. Don't get emotionally involved or tell yourself the only reason someone can be so angry with you is because they love you. There's nothing other than 
love that makes people so angry. And it doesn't feel like that in the moment. But what the kid is actually saying is that their connection with you is so intense, their developing brain can't cope with it, and they flip out in this way. Now, it's hard to feel that when your own child is, um, you know, I don't know, spitting at you or yeah. slamming a door or saying incredibly hurtful things. But bear in mind, that reflects the intensity of their relationship with you, albeit in an inverted and distorted way that can be exceptionally difficult to live with. But this does extinguish in the end. And the more you can ignore it, the better. And I suppose the other big point, Kira, is to be ver- for parents and um, those affected to be very compassionate with themselves. There is no right way to handle this. You know, no one does it perfectly. The child or the teenager will get the upper hand much of the time because they have the power over you um, to to really upset you and to really disturb you. And there's no perfect way uh, to diminish this. So so we should be sort of compassionate with ourselves as parents and realize there will be times when this doesn't work out. No parent has ever handled this 100% correctly. So we need to stop berating ourselves when we fail. Okay, uh, a few people have texted in, in uh, Brendan, about what you're saying, and a lot of people, you know, agree with you about the about the not ex- uh, escalating the situation. But a few people have said, "I can't believe Brendan is suggesting we would let a child physically hit and spit at somebody." She spat in his face, and and, and they're they're pointing out that, that this child has become violent towards the parents and the siblings. Um, what do you do if if it does escalate to violence? And, and some other people are texting saying, "I have an 18 year old." They still have tantrums. I try to try to stay calm, but he ups the ante till he gets a reaction. And I suppose, uh, the, can I ask you a direct question? Are, are these yeah. are these children going to be the adults down the line who have personality disorders? Are these borderline personality disorders in the making? Is that what we're looking at here? This kind of behaviour. Well, well, not necessarily. And in relation to the to the violence, obviously that is not to be tolerated. And I'm not suggesting that we would remain calm if people are being hurt or assaulted in that way. That does require a response. But there are very often, you know, lesser stages of it that that we can ignore or that we can literally walk away from, um, which is very helpful. But obviously we can't do that if people are being violent or if other children are at risk. It's not necessarily the case that these children will turn out to be disordered adults or behaviorally disordered adults. Some okay. will, I suppose, turn out to have personality disorders, but this can also just pass and resolve completely. And, uh, you know, the, the child or teenager is not laying down memories the way that adults lay down memories. So they literally will either not remember some of this or will remember it with less immediacy and force. It will fade from their from their developing brain quicker than it would fade from a developed brain. So change is possible. And if your child is behaving in this way now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the future will be like this. For the most part, this diminishes and this extinguishes. If it moves into physical violence, that is, that is more worrying and does require a response. But for many, it, the opposite is the case. This diminishes over time as other things take over they become more interested in life outside school outside home more interested in their friends and various other activities which will ultimately lead to a diminution in this the intensity of the home conflicts okay i i can only imagine that it must be extraordinarily difficult and wearying to live in a house where simple things like pass the salt result in screaming rows and like it must be 
you know, if it was your partner, you'd divorce them. Do you know what I mean? Like, but what what can you do when when your own child is the person causing you extreme difficulty and heartache? Well, I mean, there's a number of people who need to be looked after in that circumstance. There is the child. And as we've said, the behavior should not be reinforced um, too, too much and it needs to be managed in as calm a way as possible. But there are also the other siblings and uh, you know, you know, the parents or other people living in the house. So particularly for parents, it is very important to step away from arguments when that is feasible and just go into another room or um, maybe a few hours after it settled down just to go out, get away from the situation, go for a walk and look after yourself and don't be giving out to yourself constantly, telling yourself you're a bad parent, that you should be able to cope with this, that everyone else seems to cope with it because I can absolutely guarantee you they don't. Everyone is distressed by this very, very deeply. So we should be a lot kinder to ourselves when this carries on and when we feel we've dealt with it badly. There is no perfect way to deal with it. And if there was, a good going teenager will find a way to subvert that and to get around that as well, because that's what teenager, that's what teenage years mean. Yeah, loads of people get involved. Someone says, uh, Darren says, set boundaries and be consistent, but don't get angry. Don't punish the children. If you teach them to stick, don't be surprised when they get one of their own. And someone says, what about the highly sensitive child? Interested to know what Brendan thinks. Are these children who are behaving in this fashion, are they extra sensitive or highly strong or, or anxious in some way? Is it is it an insecure insecurity? I'm trying to think of the right words. Is it an insecurity in them? Are, are they are they attached peculiarly in their relationships to their parents? It, I, I, it's well, no, I think that we, we, we have a huge tendency to read psychological meanings into things and to try and to believe we can understand psychological or emotional motivations for behavior. In a lot of these children and teenagers, there are very simple biological reasons that we don't understand fully, but they're there. Their brains are literally physically not as capable of dealing with the world as adult brains are. And as a result, they enter this sort of crisis mode when they have to deal with intense things, particularly the most intense relationships that they have, which are in the family home. And that's why the family home is the uh, nexus or the center of this kind of carry on for the most part. It's because they are physically, biologically not capable of dealing with it. So I would hesitate to read psychological meanings or personality predictions into any of this behaviour. It's quite biological. Okay, okay. Uh, um, but nonetheless, I'm sure it's incredibly difficult. Um, some says, Kira, my son was like this around his junior sir three years ago. Defiant, huge arguments, very emotional rows, tears, tantrums, lovely outside the house. Inside, awful to his family. It's very exhausting going through it, but you need to stay in control of the house. It takes time. They're immature. My, ter- my son has turned good when I got him a part-time job in a local shop. He was very happy there and over time he unwinded and he has now matured and is happy Uh, the best one you could ever have very helpful and reliable be patient time can resolve this and someone else says this definitely works write a brief note we love you and hope it helps but we don't have to listen to you lots of love is that feedback okay we we are not going to listen to this rubbish but we do love you Um, we'll be here when you come around 
Absolutely. Any way we can convey that message is very important. The child usually knows that you love them uh, anyway. They wouldn't be sort of bothering with you if there wasn't that intense um, relationship. And you can say, obviously, tell the child that you love them. If that, you know, that, that likely will make you feel better, if not the child, um, because you might think the child doesn't know that, but they really do. And when the child says, you know, you don't care or you don't love me or you hate me, I know you hate me, um, you know, it's important just to respond with, you know, we don't hate you, but what we, but nobody cares about bad behavior uh, and, and just kind of try to leave it at that. Separating the child from the behavior is important because very often children and teenagers feel bad that they behave so badly. They don't like being the one who ruins the family get-togethers, okay. the one who limits what the family can do. So it's important to tap into that, and they might find common cause with you in disliking how they behave themselves. Okay, and so, and are they aware, if they are aware of that, uh, like, are, are these, like someone says, ask if a 14-year-old walking at the door at midnight, uh, what do you do, how do you stop them, please, please, this is my house. Uh, very easy for someone to have textbook answers. Is that how you would react if it was your children? Does he have children? I'm not even going to ask Brendan, does he have children? because it's neither here nor there. But the, the point is the, 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 the individual actions that you're scared about, the child harming another sibling, the child walking out the door at midnight, they are incredibly difficult to deal with. But are you saying that the child, even though they're not logically thinking, they're just feeling and everything, they are aware that they're messing it up for everybody and that they are the, the nexus, as you've sort of said, of, yeah. of trouble? They're, I mean, they're aware of that between times when their logical brain is, you know, relatively calmer and functioning a bit. But in the moment, they're not even thinking of that argument. And that's what makes the fight in the moment so difficult. It is so intense and emotional. And all the advice that I'm spouting here <laughs> is indeed... These are not my words, advice, Brendan. I think you're giving very good advice. But there's no, there's no doubt about it. This is textbook advice. Uh, and in the moment, it's incredibly difficult because even though adults are more logical, we still think a lot with our emotional brain and we feel a lot, particularly in, you know, in family arguments. I suppose my advice is that this, th these measures, which most people know at some level, we need consistently to try to use them and also to be aware, as I've said earlier, that we will fail and not to give out to ourselves that the child or the teenager you know, will have the upper hand because they know we're not just going to walk away 100% from the situation. They know that. And that's why they can push our buttons so incredibly powerfully. So it's important we try the textbook advice as best we can and that we stick to our guns as much as is reasonable, but with an awareness that these techniques are imperfect and ultimately there will be unsatisfactory outcomes and difficult arguments no matter what we do. Okay, uh, someone else has said, I'm not sure I agree with Brendan. My son was like this from when he was very small, constantly suspended, expelled from school, expelled from scouts, drug taking from teenage years. We went everywhere for help and tried everything. He is now a very angry, unhappy 40-year-old man. He seems to hate everyone and everything. Unfortunately, the bad behaviour did not stop. It is heartbreaking. That's obviously very sad. Uh, just, just lastly, the, we've got another text in from somebody about please come back to the walking out the door at midnight thing. That seems to be, uh, this is about five different people have texted about their kids marching out the door at midnight. Is that a kind of a upping the ante situation because they know that they're young and they know that they shouldn't be out on the street at midnight and therefore it's it's a big deal. Uh, what do you do in that instance? You're afraid for their safety. You don't want your 14-year-old daughter wandering around in the middle of the night. What, what, is, there, is there a strategy for dealing with that specific instance? Well, th I mean, that is the ultimate upping of the ante. 
Um, and sort of in, in, in very deep psychological terms, what they're doing is the thing they, that they're worried you will do, which is walk away from them because they tend mm. to be terrified of abandonment, bizarrely. Um, but that's a very fancy psychological explanation for what is, in fact, a pressing, urgent problem in the middle of the night. Um, obviously, the child, you know, it's not safe to have a child uh, wandering around in the middle of the night, and that does somehow or other need to be stopped. And in that kind of situation, there will be an argument. There's no doubt. I mean, the child has pressed one of the ultimate buttons, one of the red buttons um, in that situation. And then you're kind of beat. You have to have the argument and refuse to let them out. Okay. The child has prevailed on this occasion, which is regrettable, but that will happen because children are uniquely powerful and our relationships with them uniquely intense such that they will always be able to push us to the nth degree. Um, so don't feel bad if you end up having the stand-up round. Yeah, and the same thing, I presume, with the spitting or the, or the spitting or the hitting. The, those, those things are intolerable, aren't they? Or are they? Yeah, yeah. And, and if the child pushes you that far, th- then you, you, you have to have the argument. You have to be that, that really authoritarian parent that you desperately try not to be because you want the child to be able to regulate their own behavior. But if they push you to the nth degree, they will prevail and they will force you to do what you don't want to do, which is literally crack the whip lock the door or whatever it might be. Yeah. Can I ask you one just last question, Brendan? You mentioned there that the, the, the child's their their biggest fear is abandonment. Is that what this is all coming from, that they are insecure and they're testing you? Is is that what this actually is all the time, that you're being tested for some reason? They don't believe you as their parent loves you as much as their siblings or loves you enough. Is it something to do with that? Yeah, it, that's a big part of this whoosh, whoosh of emotion and uh, that overwhelms the child or the teenager when they start having the argument and as the argument intensifies. Uh, it's all to do with binary things. You, you, you either love me or you hate me. You're, you're leaving or you're staying. There's no space for ambivalence or shades of grey or tolerance. Um, so these big dramatic themes all come firing out in this huge, big, unregulated emotional volcano that really there's no reasoning with. Um, all you can try and do is, is manage the space it's in, try not to get hit, hit by any of the volcanic lava that flows out of the teenager, and in calmer times, try and reinforce better behavior. But all of this is indeed theoretical advice. Implementing it will help greatly, but ultimately, the child or the teenager, as part of their development, will force you to be an authoritarian parent if they really want to push you to the limit. Holy moly, it's not it's not an easy uh, thing at all. Someone says my sister's daughter is nearly 30. Jesus, but still talks to her parents with contempt, even though they are showing serious patience and waiting for her to grow out of her teenage behavior outside of the house. She's a very pleasant girl. Her horrible behavior drives me mad and hurts and upsets her family a lot. What to do about her? I'm at the point of I'm losing patience with the 30 year old who's been an absolute whatever you'd say to their parents, that's beyond, that's, that's not acceptable. Yeah, I mean, we also have to bear in mind that some adults behave in ways that we don't like. And uh, that's not necessarily uh, because of their childhoods. It's not, it's not necessarily because of how we react to them. Sometimes there is no correct way to manage bad adult behavior except to avoid it. 
the difficulty with the child and the teenager, of course, is that they're in a dependent relationship with us and we can't simply avoid them because they're right there and we have responsibilities for them. But the situation is quite different with adults. If adults are behaving in a way that is bad, we can avoid them once we've given them reasonable chance to, um, you know, to remedy their behaviours and behave in a more pro-social way. But yeah, some people behave so badly um, as adults that they're just best avoided. Good Lord. Look, thank you very much for all of that. Uh, that is Professor Brendan Kelly from Trinity, a Professor of Psychiatry. 53106. Um, an enormous number of texts coming in from parents and indeed aunts and uncles and grandparents who have obviously seen the behaviour of certain children and uh, don't like what they're seeing and don't like how the children are treating their parents. But what what to do? And, and when, I mean, we love our kids and, and yet our kids are the ones doing this and maybe upsetting everybody, their siblings, you, everybody. Uh, I don't think we have a solution to this one, but it's obviously a very difficult road to travel. We did talk to Professor Brendan Kelly about two emails that we got in about how to cope with difficult children. And uh, I, I know none of us even like using the term difficult children because we love our children and our children are special and everyone's different and all of that. But we were talking about children who throw tantrums maybe into their later teens, spit at their parents, hit their siblings, you know, the really bad behaviour, walk out of the house at midnight, have screaming rows about nothing. Uh, extraordinarily difficult for families to cope with. And Ashling is on the line. Ashling, what's your situation? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Basically, I have a few issues, but my one issue today I'd like to talk about is, can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly. Yes, is I have four children and my 15-year-old is um, working in the summer, summer job, um, earning about 250 a week, which is not to be sniffed at. No. And I said to him, look, since you're working in the summer now and you have this money coming in, you're going to have to pay off a little bit of money. And towards, he says, towards, I'm not Towards the you. upkeep of the house kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. just, you know. At its general courtesy, I've been working from the age of eight myself, picking strawberries, picking tomatoes, working through my life. And yeah. it was just automatic. My mother never had to ask me. It was automatic. It was the done thing. I'm in my 40s now. It seems the younger generation think, in inverted commas, it's not the done thing now to hand up anything to their mother or their father. So I, on point of principle, I have been having this argument for the last couple of weeks in the house. One of the many arguments that I had. Yeah. Teenagers living at home. And um, he's adamant he's not paying me a penny. Now, I'd like to ask the audience out there, what do they think would be reasonable if he's earning 250 300 a week, which is good money. It's not as if it's only pocket money, a couple of quid a week. This is good money, you know? Yeah. And um, he is adamant he's not paying it. Now, he's my second in pecking order as such. So I don't want to... Um, that as a priest and he's the only one that has a summer job per se the others you know do a little household short yeah. here and there but he's the one that is earning the money and he says why should I do that because I help you in the garden I help you do this I help you do that you should be paying me money this is the attitude I get back now this lad is a young lad he's a good worker I've always had my kids doing little jobs around the house because it's all practical life skills for their future etc yeah, 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 and I think if we're all living in the house, we should all do our party piece, yeah? But the fact he is, working outside the home now, I'm doing this, and I, I just don't want to leave it at this. I'm going to be a dog with a bone on this one, I'm afraid. And i just like to know what would people think is a fair amount to ask for. Now, I've asked for my amount, which I don't think it's much, 
personally. Considering. Do you want? Do you want to tell us how much well, I asked? Well, I asked for thirty euros, right? Okay, yeah. Which I really don't think is much. It's ten to fifteen percent of what he earns. He wants to save for a car, so when he's seventeen, he'll have his money for his car. Great, fantastic. But I do still think, on point of principle and common courtesy, not categorizing myself as an elder, but obviously I'm his elder. Yeah. <laughs> I would think, you know, it's just it's just the principle of it at this stage and it's the attitude that I'm getting back. Okay. Okay, so it's 53106, you hear what Ashling has said. She's got a 15-year-old, she's got a part-time job. She's earning 250 quid a week. She feels that uh, 30 quid a week is a reasonable amount to contribute to the family coffers because he's now earning and he's a grown lad to a large extent. He's doing, you know, he's off for the summer and working. Uh, what do you think? Do you know what I think? I, I, I think it was always the norm back in the day for, for, for teenagers when they started yeah. to work to contribute to the household because as yeah. each person matured and became an adult they, they, they did so. I think now because so many of the teens don't work um, they, they kind of think working is optional and therefore they're only really working for themselves it's a choice rather than a necessity and they think you know what I'm doing I'm taking myself off your books you don't have to you don't have to bankroll me uh, but why would I why would I give any money uh, you, do you know what I mean I, I think there's a sense yeah. of entitlement perhaps it there is, is there? yeah and it's it really I think we're making a rod for our backs if, if people let this go I've had this conversation with many people lately and come up because we're all of the age that have teenagers now yeah. in similar situations. Some give, some don't. Some of my friends would say, well, he buys his own clothes now. He, you know, he pays for his outings if he wants to go to the cinema, etc. Fair enough. But everyone's situation is different. And without going into detail, it would be nice to get, you know, I'm not saying it's on the breadline I am to have it, but that's not the point. It's the principle. They need to know the value of money, things not handed to them. I was always brought up like that, and we always had a value for our money. We were never handed anything. Anything we had, we always earned. And I just feel I want my kids to be brought up that way too and have a value and to appreciate what they have. But I know, and somebody only said to me this morning, we were only talking about it, um, said, oh, I can guarantee you, if you end up getting that money, which is kind of bad money now because of if you're going to have to beg for it, but he's going to throw it back at you. Well, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z for you now because I'm actually paying you that 30 euros so you can wash my dirty dock for my For my room and board and kind of thing. Else. And it's going to be nearly like thrown back at me. Well, I'm not going to do anything. Like I do. The majority of stuff in the home anyway. But this is the way it's going to work. And I reckon that's the way he probably play it if that is the case, if he does end up paying it. But it's bad taste in my mouth and his mouth now, I'm sure, because it's got to the point now that he didn't give it out of goodwill. He's given it because he's been forced or otherwise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some people are disagreeing with you. Someone says, Kira, he's 15, for goodness sake. Insist he puts maybe 50% away for his future for himself, but let him be. Someone else says, this woman who wants money from her 15-year-old's hard-earned money isn't right. She has a legal responsibility to raise her child. She does not have a right to take his earnings. Uh, has has social norms changed? Do you think, Ashling? Do you think that there is a, a a different perspective maybe on this stuff now? I think kids nowadays are turning the tables. It's not the parents that are parenting the kids; it's the kids ruling the roost if you let them. And I think that's why society has gone so crazy as it is. Like, look at everything that's happening now in comparison to say when I was grown up thirty, forty years ago. I just think the kids, people. 
And I hear it from many of my friends. They're afraid of their children. They're afraid to say no. They're afraid to chastise them because that's abuse now if you raise your voice to me. Or that's abuse if you don't let me go out with my friends. It's all, everything is politically correct. You have to tick that box, tick this box. It's all BS. I really do feel it. I really do. I feel so strong about it. There, there could be a hundred things I'd like to mention on this conversation this morning. But this is kind of hot topic at the moment, what's going on in my home. Okay. It's not that I'm being greedy for the 30 euros, which is tipping. No, I, you think it's a, am I right? Are you, you think it's a principle acting about responsibility yes, and, and con- contribution to the family? And you know, at the end of the day, you're, you know, if he was out renting accommodation, I know he's only 15, but if he, he needs to know that it's, it's respect, you know, okay. like I, we had this conversation earlier, a friend of mine actually put a Facebook post up earlier about it. And I thought, talk about take a time, things come for you when you're talking about a situation and then all of a sudden it comes out of the woodwork. It's like you're looking for a red car. You see every red car on the road. You know what I'm saying? I do. So here I am. This text or this Facebook page, a post came up from a friend of mine this morning and she said, I have the same issue as this. Now I, did, and I commented on I said, I'm actually having the same issue at the moment. And everybody on that post, every single person that answered, probably about 30 people answered that post and they all said, they all handed up money. Some people ended up handed up half their wages to their parents up to the time they got married. And I know my mother reminded me the other day when I was working part time, as I always did, I always handed up about half of the money I earned. But that was normal. It wasn't even considered. No, oh, it was, it was a contribution was, towards was the a, family yeah, coffers. I, I get it. I do. Um, I, I think we, we, we thought back in our youth, though, that when we hit teens, we were near grown and we were kind of adults and we shouldered a bit of adult responsibility. I think now when we look at 15 year olds, we think that they're children and that therefore that they are entitled to be protected. I just think it's a a rod for our own backs. I really do feel in general terms. Look, I'm throwing it out. I'm going to throw it out to the the population, see what they say. Thank you, Ashling. Thank you for for talking about this. Uh, Joe says, I think he goes to the shower, he goes to the loo, there's toilet paper, there's shampoo, there's all sorts of things that he uses. Take away some of the things that he uses. I think he'll cough up the 30 quid then. Quite reasonable. Um, what do you think? Do you ask your teenagers if they have a job to contribute towards the family income? Do they have a job at all? Uh, or do you just give them money? Or, or or how does it work in your house? And what do you think about what Ashling says about the need for there's sake of principle to contribute out of respect and what have you to the family. Now, loads of people getting in touch about Ashling. Ashling was on asking whether or not her 15-year-old should uh, be contributing. He's earning 250 quid a week as uh, with his part-time summer job. And she's saying she thinks giving up 30 quid a week towards the family coffers would be good in terms of it'd be nice to have the money, but it'd be nice for him to show that he understands about responsibility and contribution and respect and those things. Uh, someone says, Ashling is absolutely right to insist on a contribution. It's a life skill. She's teaching him managing money is learned and parents are responsible to uh, help them with that from as early as they can she'd be doing them a disservice to teach them anything else someone else says Kira's Ashling's absolutely right I had to hand over money to my mum when I was young Uh, kids now expect everything to be done for them it's only out of respect and courtesy and do it for your children and understand the value of money and someone says Kira, how many hours is that 15 year old working to make that much money that's what I'd be more concerned about and 15 year olds are well capable of of working long hours and, and, and more power to them and someone says Kira, I had a job at 12 my mum took 50p from my £1.50 oh bless you and someone says Kira, that lady should just stop including him in meals sure he's plenty of money to feed himself 
lesson learned and that's from Diana who is from the School of Tough Parenting and someone else says too many parents treating their children like friends yes be friendly with your children but never forget that you are their parent Ashling has a 15 year old and he has a part time job and he's off for the summer he's earning 250 quid a week she has said son I'd like 30 quid uh, I think it's not just about the money it's about you contributing to the family and you, you, you showing willing I think is what she was saying to pull your weight with the rest of us to keep our little family ship afloat uh, and a huge amount of people have gotten in touch and it's really interesting because there's a big variety of things that people think someone says Kira, I totally disagree with that woman I have two young adults staying at home with me who do not contribute anything I see other parents buying houses for their children and help Helping them with mortgage deposits and helping them with huge tax bills. I feel guilty that I am not in a position to do this, but I am consoled a little that I let them stay in the house rent free. I fear that they will never get a mortgage as it is so hard nowadays. We do what we can do for our children. And that's from Mary. Uh, Patricia says, though, totally agree with Ashling. I handed up half my money to the home when I was growing up. This generation have a sense of entitlement. We are spoiling them. My son, who is 20, hands up 30 quid to me. He's on over 300 quid a week. I don't think it's enough. However, I don't think he would entertain it if I asked for more. It's just not the done thing nowadays. Children have become selfish. Um, And I wonder, is that what you think? Is it that children have become selfish? Is it that they are actually in very difficult scenarios because they have to live at home because rents are so high um, that they moving out or getting a mortgage is, is beyond most of them. And if rents are so high, should they not be kind of glad that they're able to live at home long term and contribute only a tiny bit to the household coffers? Or do you think, ah, oh, do you know what? Uh, the money is theirs. They deserve it. I have enough money of my own. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't have this situation in my own life, so I don't know exactly. Uh, I kind of do. I kind of do have a, a, a teenager who did have a job. I didn't get money off him. I didn't ask for money off him, but he wasn't earning as much by any means as uh, 250 quid a week anyway. So.